welcome to another episode of the 17 Hats Hats Off podcast, where we talk unfiltered raw experiences and advice. I'm Amanda Ray, your host, uh, CEO of 17 Hats, and I am joined here today by the lovely photographer, educator, businesswoman, oh my gosh, so many titles, Canon Explorer of Light, all the jazz, um, Vanessa Joy. Thanks so much for being here, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. This is fun that we get to do this. It is. It's been a long time that we've been on um, a video call, conference, podcast, blah, 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 together. It has. It has. Way too long. Yeah. So, you know, you have always, I mean, you've been doing photography for how long? Like, 22 years, 23, maybe 25. I stopped counting. Makes me old. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing because we all know that, you know, most photographers go out of business in like three, four, five years. So you've stood the test of time and you have um, just really dominated in the industry, not only as a wedding photographer, portrait photographer, but also as um, educator. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so much knowledge. Uh, so I would love to take this time that we have together to dive into um, business versus craft. Oh, I love that. It's such a touchy subject for so many of us mm-hmm. creatives. And as you know, with this podcast, we have all sorts of people watching, right? We have photographers, right. we have videographers, we have balloon artists, cake decorators, event, venue, I mean, you name it, right? All service-driven professions. As a wedding photographer, you've met so many people from different services Mm -hmm. as well. So you've seen it, you've experienced it, but you've seen it too. Yeah, I see, you know, most of us in any service industry, I think we get into it because we like what we're actually doing with our hands, with our feet and on the ground doing the things that we have to do that we forget very often that there's a whole other side to being successful in that craft that has nothing to do with, you know, being in the field. Absolutely. And I mean, I remember just like way back in the day when I first started doing photography, I was doing killer at like seniors, but I, or high school senior portraits, but I was like, I can't do weddings until I have X lens (laughs) or X equipment or X whatever. And I feel like as I grew out of that and, um, you know, went through my business maturity phases, you know, you look back on that and you're like, that was so silly. Like, why did I ever think about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We always think, you know, the latest gear is going to make the difference. And the truth of the matter is your clients really don't know the difference between good and great anything, because that's what you specialize in. That's your part of being the expert that you are, that you know the difference and the nuance of what makes the service or product that you're providing so much better than everything else around. But your clients don't, and it's never going to be the reason that they hire you. So there has to be something else that you're weighing in on. Yeah. I'm always, I always preach on like, they don't know the difference between good and great, but they do know the difference between on time and late. (laughs) Yes. That's so (laughs) true. Or a good and great experience. They know what it's like to walk into a business or to deal with customer service when something's going right or wrong and what amazing stellar experience looks like. Absolutely. So talk us through a little bit of your journey. Like, were you always a business person from the beginning 
or did that come like organically as something you need? Like, how did that happen? Because a business mindset versus like craft mindset. And I know Vanessa is a photographer, but like this applies to every genre, every, every, everything, every profession, right? Even to us with tech, right? Mm -hmm. it, it definitely applies as well. So how did that happen for you? I think it happened in college. I was going to college for something other than photography because I didn't know you could be a photographer. It's like <laughs> a real job. And I ended up landing a marketing internship with an adjunct professor that was just looking for someone to bring in to a franchise company. It was Lawn Doctor, the Green Thumb people. Yeah. And they, they're a big company. They had, I think, 450 fran franchises when I was with them. So I learned marketing there and I fell in love with it. I still loved photography and, you know, everything right. that went along with that. But I was working for another photographer at the time. I didn't own my own business. And I saw the things that he was doing to market himself and the things that weren't working anymore, like yellow pages weren't working. Yeah. And I had a ton of different ideas on things we could do that I was learning from that internship, as well as just being honestly in the marrying age, I served weddings yeah. as a photographer. So I understood the mindset of couples that were getting married. And I took those two things and combined them. And I worked on his business and marketed his business and came up with different ideas for products and a website, all yeah. those types of different things. And it worked. And that was thrilling to me. There's something about having a plan, creating it, executing it and then analyzing it. And of course you're happy when it works, but even when it doesn't, it's like, okay, why didn't that work? What can right. I do better? And I think I've taken that through my entire business. Anytime I've noticed some kind of lull, maybe in bookings, or maybe it's just in the connection I have with my clients. It's like, hmm, what do I need to do better to connect with them? And that's yeah. where I started honestly using 17 hats and the email campaigns more yeah. effectively. Absolutely. And what can I do to, you know, market to the leads better and respond to them better? And, you know, it, it became fun for me and it still is mm -hmm. because every industry, doesn't matter which one you have, they're all going to ebb and flow. Your clients yeah. are going to gradually change and you always have to find a way to connect with them and to keep up with them. And thankfully I like it. <laughs> I like the change and the challenge that comes with it. It is. It's constantly challenging and things change and what works, you know, one year isn't going to work the next year and you have to figure so it true. out. But I love that you take the time to analyze, right? And I think this is a big step that many people miss or forget or just don't do is because we're so stuck in the weeds of like doing, 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 doing. We never stop and go, wait, what went right? What went wrong? Mm -hmm. What can I do better? Or we just blame it on our clients. This is something we oh, hear yes. a lot. Yeah. They don't read anymore. Well, then you know what? Stop sending texts Stop or stop sending long emails. Correct. <laughs> send videos within that email, which is what something I do now or yeah. send text messages or, you know, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Just you got to change. You're there to serve them, not the other way around. Yeah. Every time somebody's like, well, it like puts it off on the client and it's the client's fault. I'm like, hold on. Right. Like who's the professional in the room? Right. Mm -hmm. You're the professional in the room and you have to step into those shoes and um, being willing to 
direct, lead, make changes, guide that client experience, and move people around on the journey that you wish to provide instead of letting your clients move you on the journey that they want. Absolutely. You should like phrase that. That should be like a meme. (laughs) (laughs) It should be. Um, You know, but stepping into the shoes of being the professional in the room, that's hard too. It is. Right. It is because it's very, uh, how do I put it? It's very all eyes on you, right? You're having to take accountability for what you probably don't want to admit. That's a big word too. Accountability. That's a thing. Um, any advice there? You know, I mean, just going back to just starting anything, right? And, you know, you feel like it's the most important thing to you, right? You getting leads, your experience, like all of this is the most important thing to you. But the reality is it's not the most important thing to the clients or the mm-hmm. leads. It is an important thing, but probably not the most important thing. And, you know, sometimes it's, hard to step into those shoes because you don't know exactly what you're doing or um, you're really nervous or you're meeting with clients that really intimidate you. So how, mm-hmm. how do you go about stepping into those shoes of becoming not just professional in your craft, but professional as a business person? I think it has a lot to do with shifting your mindset first to that. Because very often, and I see this with creatives, photo, video, whatever, very often I see us fit the role of the creative that we are and really focus on educating ourselves within that craft, within that service or product that we're offering. And it takes a mindset shift to go to your industry conference and take the business class instead of the craft class. Mm -hmm. Those tend to be some of the most unattended classes all around, unless it has to do with social media. It's so shocking. Um, Unless it has to do with social media. A lot of people have gotten that into their brains. (laughs) They need to do social. But it's a lot of the other things. Like your social media is great for marketing, getting people in the door. But I think more of your professional experience, more of your professional outward uh, visualization that your clients see of yourself is not social media. It's the day-to-day of your actual business relationship with them. So it's the classes that are the most boring to take, uh, right? You know, the ones on crafting emails correctly, the ones on how to uh, handle negative clients or red flag clients, you know, any of that, but all of it just, I think you just have to start with that mindset shift that, you know what, my job is to be a professional first and being a professional is likely the thing that I'm not as good at as my craft. So those are the things that I need to take step towards uh, self-improvement on. Absolutely. You know, I feel like if you go back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, solopreneurs, the world of solopreneurs, the services that solopreneurs were providing, um, they were there, but they weren't as abundant as what we see today. Um, And so I also feel, or what we've seen a lot with just talking to our clients in 17 Hats, is that now our buyers have more than likely been jaded by a solopreneur once 
Yes. Or twice in their time. The one that won't answer phone calls or emails. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Or didn't deliver. Like there's so many people that Mm -hmm. they pay and then the solopreneur doesn't deliver at all whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like 10, 15 years ago, you didn't, solopreneurs didn't have to go up against this kind of jaded market. And now you are right. Mm -hmm. Everybody, right. I I say everybody very loosely, but there's so many people that's doing a hobby for extra income, trying the solopreneur world, um, trying to sell their craft. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are not good, right? Some of them are going to jade people once again, right? And just totally, Mm -hmm. totally ghost them. Um, this is where I think professionalism comes into play even more importantly today because can you, can you elaborate and kind of go on I on can. that one? And I'll probably even take it from the client's perspective a little more too, because yeah. there's something about you as a business owner that your clients love. In fact, it's probably one of the reasons why they booked you. They loved yeah. you versus the thing that you're offering. And when that happens, they want your hand in everything, right? They want you to be the one to answer their emails. They want you to be the one to walk them along each step of the process. And especially with my clients, they want me to be the one editing the photos. And I'm like, no, you don't. I <laughs> like, I'm really bad at that. This is not what <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my forte. But in their head, they want that personal touch from the business owner themselves. Yeah. So you have to find a way to make it look like you're doing everything when you're not. And that is where, you know, whether you decide to have your systems in place, right? You have every email that gets sent out, whether your assistant sends it or not, you know, through 17 hats, it's your signature that's on it. So it looks like you're sending all these emails uh, personally. Um, Maybe it's hiring other people, but you know, having them, you still be the delivery person on whatever it is. Um, or maybe it's part breaking the mold. I don't know. I mean, if you go into home goods, right. And you go and buy a lamp that's there and you hand it to the cashier, like, do you expect the cashier to have also strung up the electricity components? Like, no, you don't want them to do that. Um, hopefully we start swinging the other way where it's like, no, you want a competent business person being the one that is delegating the things that she doesn't do or he doesn't do as well as someone else that they could hire. And that's also that we have to tap into as, as business owners, we have to tap into what we do well and what we don't do well. And we have to be okay with that. Right. I feel like there's also this stigma around like saying, you know, like, like just being open with like, this isn't my thing. Like I loved how you just said, like, you know, you don't want me to edit. (laughs) Um, but that's a hard thing. I feel like solopreneurs feel like they do have to do everything and they have to do everything well. And, and I get it. I get from some people's perspective, they're not making enough money to outsource or do different things like that. And, and I get that. Um, but it doesn't mean it can't be a goal, right? It can't be something that you're pushing forward. Um, but just being okay with saying, yeah, this isn't, this isn't my thing. And I am going to hire somebody and it doesn't make me any less of a professional person. 
No. In fact, it makes you more of one because you know how to find and source the people that are better at things than you are. 100%. So you all heard it right there, right? Right there. It's okay to let people help you. It's okay, right? I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I hear all the time is people just, they feel like they have to do everything themselves Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be that way. And that is a sense of professionalism too. Because if you try to do everything yourself, that's not going to go well either. No, but, then you'll you'll be that person not delivering or answering the emails and yeah. you'll have some horrible Reddit article on you <laughs> <laughs> that I will do a podcast on the rip apart later. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it's right. If you try to do everything yourself, then you're, you're not, you're never going to be able to do it. And that's how burnout mm-hmm. sets in and everything else. I know that the majority of the solopreneurs that I like started with when I was doing photography way back in the day, um, there were people far better craft than I ever thought I, you know, like far better craft. Um, mm-hmm. my gosh, they burnt out in two, three years. They were yeah. gone. Yeah. The people that I am most jealous of, and I will flat out say that most envious mm-hmm. of when I look at their photos, they're the ones that can't put food on their table doing what they do. So I'm going to take inspiration from them and then yeah. be really happy that I still can do the business side because that I really think is what makes or breaks so many different business owners. It's usually not how good they are at what they do. It's how good they are at running the business around what they do. And I think social media makes that so hard because you're right. You go into other mm-hmm. business owners, social medias, and you see all this cool shit that they're doing. And you're like, man, this yep. is so amazing and blah, blah, blah. And the, the automatic assumption that we make is um, they are making more money than me right? They have more beautiful X, Y, and Z. They can do the craft Mm -hmm. better. Everyone loves them more than me is literally what goes through my mind. Like everybody loves their, their art, their craft, their personality. And it's like, Hmm, have you checked their BBB reviews lately? Cause that might not be true. (laughs) Exactly. So you, you know, you can't, as business owners, you can't look at that. Like everything's a facade, right? Especially with social media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always say you don't know what's hiding in other people's drawers, right? Um, their desk might be nice and pretty, but you don't know what's in mm-hmm. the drawers. Um, and so you kind of have to get that out of your head. I feel like too, I think everybody does is like, just because they have really good craft doesn't mean that they can afford a family vacation. Right. Yeah. Or even afford the things that they're posting on social media. It's amazing how many people will hold it for a photo, but they're not actually paying for it or they're loaded up on debt. You know, you just, you can't look at that facade and take it for what it's worth. It's, it's shocking really. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's so, it's so very true. Um, going back to, business and understanding business and business journey. I mean, obviously marketing has always been a fun thing for you and Mm -hmm. um, really hit. Let's talk a little bit about client experience because you work with some high-end brides. Um, Have you always worked with high-end brides or was that a gradual thing? Like there's so many people that start like you know, working with, you know, $100, $200, $500 clients, and they want to yeah. elevate up to the $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 clients. Um, what is that? How, how can people make that change? It is, 
I'm going to give you two answers for that because I have the world's <laughs> easiest answer and I've given you the easiest answer second. Okay. First, I, I did make that journey. I, the very first under my own business, the very first mm -hmm. wedding that I booked $500, uh, and I sucked at it and she left me a bad review <laughs> as, <laughs> as I deserved for the record. Um, and now I think my highest client to date is somewhere near 40,000 after they finished all the Done. things that they were buying. Um, so it's great. I, I made that entire journey. Um, it's a lot of things. It's understanding those clients, understanding how they talk, how they dress, yeah. dressing to match and understanding their personalities and what's important to them as well as all the vendors surrounding them. So it's a really long journey of yeah. just like, I'm making that friend and that friend and that friend and, and getting into the places you need to be. But if I can simplify it, every time someone books your highest package, your highest offering, raise your prices because your they would have paid you more. And yeah. that is like your indicator that you are climbing successfully, right? Um, as fun as those firehouse weddings were, let me tell you, there are a million, <laughs> million more times more difficult to deal with. And not because of yes. the client, but because of like the external factors, like the lighting or the parking or the mm -hmm. whatever it was, you know? So now it's like your job gets, it gets harder in some ways, but easier in others. Absolutely. Raising your prices. I mean, prices just in general, people are so nervous about and people it's like- It's so scary. It, it is. Any yeah. advice on that? Any thoughts on that? I think you have to- Get it out of your head that your price is ever the reason someone does or does not book you. Um, and I'm not saying it's not a factor. There are absolutely clients who cannot afford you and there are clients that can afford you. But taking that part out, because hopefully you have somewhere, some information, you know, where you're not getting clients that absolutely cannot afford you into your door and spending time with consultations and everything. You have to understand that people make their decision based on other things other than price. They'll tell you price, but that, but they'll always spend $10 for a latte if they want that latte, right? So you have to take the burden off the price being like the determining factor of whether or not they're booking you and be confident in that price because you have a lot of things that you have to pay for. And if you're going to elevate your product, your offerings, and you got to pay for more things. Yeah. If you're going to charge more, your marketing budget is going to like double or triple at me. <laughs> like yeah. it is, it goes through the roof. Yeah. So you have to understand why you're charging it. Can't be an arbitrary number. You have to literally think about what you pay to run a business, pay to produce what it is that your client is paying for. And then be like, no, that is what I have to charge. And then find ways to make yourself really valuable. Absolutely. I mean, people, People throw out price as just a number, right? Very few solopreneurs mm -hmm. actually sit down and look at what is the time that's being put into producing this service or this item? What is the talent? What is the all the other external factors that you need to bring in? If you haven't done that yet, that's a you know, for for those of you listening, it's such a great exercise to actually look at your expense and think about, okay this one client, how much money did I spend to produce this service item for this one client? And sometimes you come out on the negative, mm -hmm. right? You're not even yeah. making a profit when you start to put or if in you, time and everything else. 
Yeah. Well, time. So that's your most valuable resource. And yeah. everyone's heard that. But also if you actually add up how much time you spend producing something for a client, and that has to include all the communication that has to include a little bit of the time you spent marketing to reach them. Yep. If you add that up and then, you know, take your profit, you take home, divide that and look at how much you make per hour. And you realize, you know what? Starbucks is sounding real nice right now. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Because even the, the, the money that you bring in, right. If you divide it out, like you, I always say, divide either fours or fives, right. Mm -hmm. Let's say you make a hundred bucks, 25 is going to go to taxes. 25 is going to go to you. 25 is going to go back in the business. 25 can either go maybe possibly marketing or whatever, whatnot. So you're only taking home one fourth to feed your family. And that's just like, that's just a ballpark right. estimate. Um, everybody's tax rates and different things are a little bit different, but like, that's just like a nice general rule to go by either four so divided by five. It's even less. Um, so that hundred bucks doesn't get you very far in your life. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> and I think that's once you start realizing that as a solopreneur, you know, you always start off again with pricing in mind and it's a little intimidating trying to get people to pay you anything. And yeah. it's exciting that first time that someone's like, here's a thousand dollars. You're like, Oh my God, I'm doing this. <laughs> but then when you start realizing what all the costs are, you know, including equipment insurance and liability insurance and all oh, of your okay. subscriptions and the things you need to be good at what you do, you realize why all these other companies are charging so much more than you. And you're like, but it's just me doing the things and like, well, yeah, but there's expenses. There's yeah. a lifestyle you want to maintain, especially if you're trying to get into an upper echelon of client, you can't, and I'm not, I don't want to say this in a weird way. Like you, you don't have to be at the same income level or lifestyle bracket Correct. as your clients, but you can't be so far off from it that you don't understand who they yeah. are and what they value. Absolutely. You have to be relatable in a way, yes. right? Um, some of the very first business advice I was given way back, gosh, like my first year out of high school was um, <laughs> I went in to go buy like the super fancy equipment and I met this really old guy who's been doing photography for years and years. And he said, you realize that like none of this matters. And I'm like, what do you mean? None of it matters. And he is it wasn't like, the salesperson, I hope <laughs> it was actually, but he was just this really great guy. He was, he was in his like eighties. Oh. He had been in photography business forever. And he's like, you realize none of this matters. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, all that matters is if they like you or not, if they don't oh. like you, they don't book with you. If they like you, wow. they book with you. And I was like, whoa, like mm -hmm. best piece of advice I'd ever gotten because it's literally that simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. It's that simple because you're not, especially if you're in the service industry where you are weddings, like very intimate, important time or something sure. where you're coming into their home or personal aspects of their life. Like they got to like you, they got to deal with you. Yeah. And you know, we all get these gut feelings, right? Oh, I just felt like I didn't click with that person or, oh, this, I just, I felt so connected to this one. Of course you're going to go with and spend more money with the person you feel like you can trust and I mean, hang out with. 
I think we have to look at it in our own lives, right? If I go to a hairstylist and I'm like, ooh, that person, I didn't click with them. I'm not going back, Mm -mm. right? Like we do all of this with our own shopping, with our own who we hire. And so you have to flip that around too and put that, your, your clients are doing the same thing with you. Absolutely. You know, most of us, especially if you're a solopreneur, like you're not providing you're not providing a service like pest control where like you never see anybody and someone just comes and sprays your house, right? You're usually providing a service where there is communication and there is connection. Uh, It's not walking into Target to buy shampoo. You know, it's completely different. And a lot of times it is a little bit more luxury. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we don't need a balloon artist to come in and have a ton of balloons at our birthday party. We don't need, I mean, we do, obviously we do, obviously, (laughs) but like, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a luxury. It's a thing that you want, you know, right. At the end of the day, my birthday party just needs my child and a birthday cake and candles and Mm -hmm. friends. That's it. Right. Right. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing, even high-end photographers, high-end event planners, coordinators, you know, there's, there's, I always call it like the, the want need desire or need want desire, right? What do you absolutely need to get the job done? And then what do they Mm -hmm. want? And then what do they desire? And if you're way up on that desire pole, right? Way up there. um, Connection is even more important because if they don't feel connected to you, there's gonna be like, oh, I, I guess I really don't need this. Right. Yeah. I'll just do this myself or I'll go get the cheap version, right? Absolutely. So the connection of it plays a huge part. Um, when you connect with clients, like what, what's your kind of go-to for connection? Because I mean, some people are like, I'm completely introvert. I don't talk. I'm very nervous. <laughs> I, I freeze up in front of clients. We hear that a lot of people are like, I just want to be behind my keyboard or doing whatever. I just want to do my craft. I don't want to talk to clients. What's your thoughts on that? Well, there's two different ways. One, you could improve yourself and learn communication skills and fake it, which honestly is what I do. I'm very much an introvert. I do not speak unless I absolutely have to. My husband and I will go out on dates and like not say a word because he's the same (laughs) way. So we will very much, or we have in the past trained ourselves to connect with people and to um, be outgoing, at least in appearance. So you could do that, or you could just hire someone to be your salesperson and your contact person. And that's part of the business plan. And part of what makes your clients fall in love with you is not just you as the person doing the things behind the keyboard, behind whatever. It's also the person that they're communicating with. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of ways of doing this, right? Like, so I love this because you can't let that attribute or that personality that you have, you can't, you can't let that stop you. If your goal truly is to run a business like a business and to make a good salary from your business, um, you have to find ways of moving through that and moving around it for sure. Um, yeah. And maybe it's like I said, I don't want to edit my photos. I can talk to my clients. I like talking to my clients. So, yeah. but I'm going to do the things that I know I excel at or my clients appreciate to the point of 
deciding whether they're going to book me or not. And then the other stuff I'm going to delegate. There's plenty of people that delegate sales, sometimes even completely off site, right? You know, mm-hmm. virtual assistants or just companies that are doing sales calls and things like that for you. So yeah. it's, it's not a faux pas. It's okay. It's okay to have help and good help. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's no reason to get frustrated that you need the help. We talked about that a little bit earlier. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to find people that do things better than you. Right. Yeah. Um, that that's a goal. That's a goal of like, as CEO of 17 hats, right? Like I want to find people that do things better than me. I want to build the team that excels. Right. And that's mm-hmm. really what you have to look at as, um, you know, running your business as well. It's so important. Um, going back to craft a little bit more, people ask me this all the time. What is good enough? Cause I'm like, you Ooh. just have to be, you don't have to be great. Yes. You just have to be good. You have to be good enough. Like people don't, it, it's awesome to be great. Don't get me wrong. Right. Um, oh, it's, it, achieve great, try to achieve, achieve, achieve great. great, but it doesn't need, you don't have to be great to have a great business, right? You just so have true. to be good enough to have a great business. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that feel like to you? You have to be good enough to exceed the expectations that you yourself set for your clients, which when you phrase mm-hmm. it like that, it's kind of a no brainer. So yeah. if it can be the littlest things like delivery time. I promise my clients a three to four week delivery time, knowing that I can do it in three weeks or less. Um, Sometimes it's even in the product that you offer, like my clients can expect a certain look and a vibe from the photos I deliver uh, because that's what I show them. But then I also deliver some that are a little bit more moody or artistic. Um, So I think good enough is just knowing how to set yourself up to exceed the expectations that you're setting for your clients. And that's it. That's what you need to do. And of course, in that, as you continually exceed expectations and find new ways to wow them and serve them, yeah, maybe you put some of it into your actual offerings. So for example, my entire photography career, my own business, I think every single wedding without fail for 16 years, I have done same day edits at weddings. And probably 98% of them I've even done printed photo albums for at weddings. So by the time I leave, my goodbye gift is like I hand them a cute little album. Um, Plus airdrop them like 80 photos. So I used to surprise them with it. But then it started happening where they sort of expected it. One, because other photographers do same day edits or next day sneak peeks. And um, or they've been at a wedding where I did it. So like they know I do. So yeah, I was like, you know what, let me use this to my advantage. So now I put it in my price pricing catalog, my offerings, it's in there and it's, it's free, but it's something that's going to set me apart. And I do have an asterisk next to it. Like this is time pending. I like you're photographing yeah. your day comes first. <laughs> like yeah. I can't like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to photograph your first dance. I need to print your album. So yeah, <laughs> things like that. But yeah, but it's those little tiny things that will just elevate the the good enough or the good versus the good enough and exceed that. And then they'll end up being the things that set you apart. That gives them more reason to book with you over someone else. That's amazing. What I love about this journey too, is that like, it seems like you didn't have it all figured out to start with. That's the other thing I hear from a lot of people is like, I need to figure it all out before I start. 
And it no. goes back into doing something and enjoying the journey of doing and finding new and creative ways to um, adjust or add or fit it into your market. Like mm -hmm. it's ever changing. Right. The second you figure it out, something's going to change. I will say, however, <laughs> I think a lot of solopreneurs do this thing where they figure out what they want to do and they just start their own business and they do it. It would be so beneficial if any of them took one year or maybe it's the same year you start your own business and take your own clients as well. Or maybe it's a year before you do it and you work for someone else because ah. you're not going to have everything all together, no matter what, because things always change, but you're going to have a lot more all together. If you spent time in the business on someone else's reputation other than your yeah. own before you dive into yours. That is such amazing advice because there's so much to learn. I hear, mm -hmm. you know, we hear so much of like, well, this is the way I do my business. And this is the way like, and I can always tell typically the people that say that are probably in their first one to two to three years of business. Like right. it's just that like, yes. it's a, it's a tell right there that mm -hmm. they haven't been in business very long. Um, because everybody tries to, I feel like when you go into business, you try to reinvent the wheel every time. Right. You know, you're like, this Which is, way is that kind of good like innovate, little fresh blood. <laughs> but it would be so much easier to innovate if you got the proper foundation or understood the proper foundation or, you know, was taught the proper foundation. And then you can innovate off of that. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, just understanding foundations of business, basics of business, um, gosh, the quirks of business and everybody understands the happy path of business. Like you have a lead and the mm -hmm. lead buys and you make money and everybody's happy. Um, but we don't necessarily like to dive into the unhappy path of business right. of the lead that wants to come in, but has a thousand questions and now books and now wants to reschedule and now wants this. And like, that's the path that nobody talks about. It's so true. Yeah. Right. It's uh, the path that can be the most damaging to your business as well. Yes. And if yeah. you don't know how to handle it right, you know, that could really hurt your reputation, which hurts thing. your bottom, bottom line. So that's why I said, it's nicer to learn off the reputation of someone else and watch them make mistakes because they make mistakes too. I'm not saying you're sure. going to call someone and see the perfect, whatever. Everybody's going to make mistakes. That's okay. okay. And have a different path, but you'll learn what you yeah. like, what you don't like. It's the best thing I did. I worked for someone for five years before starting my own business, and it's yeah. the best thing I did. That is great advice. All right. As we wrap this up, like going back, business versus craft, which one should you be focused on? Which one you should be better at? Um, obviously, it's a multifaceted answer. Um, if you had to pull out just, I mean, that was great advice, but if you had to pull out just three actionable pieces of advice right now that our listeners can just go and do. Any thoughts? Hmm. Well, number one, every time someone books your highest package, raise your prices, they would have paid you more. And it's an indication of your growth. Yeah. That's always a huge one for me. Number two, continually evaluate everything you're doing. See what works, see what doesn't, and make adjustments as you go. Don't be intimidated by the things you have to change. Just make the changes. And then third, let's just assume they are way past the point of, you know, working for someone else for a year. Third, 
continue to invest in the colleagues within your industry. You may or may not actually book business off them, but they're the ones that are going to end up being the people that relate to you most and the people you can vent to most. Mm -hmm. And those that end up being your closest friends, even though you're technically competition. Vanessa, as we end our podcast today, if people want to learn more, learn more specifically from what you, where can they find you at? The best place to find me is at vanessajoy.com. So pretty simple, but if you are a photographer or even just a business owner, there's a little education tab that's going to take you to all the education free and paid resources that I have, as well as my YouTube channel, which has a ton of free videos. Amazing. Well, Vanessa, thanks so much for coming on today. I appreciate you spending your 40 minutes or close to an hour with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Actually, I'll be seeing you in a month or so, which is exciting. Um, yeah. All right. Um, and for everybody else, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you next week.